A listener note, this episode contains references to sexual behavior and may be unsuitable for some audiences. It's September 1865, and in Dansville, New York, it's breakfast time at the acclaimed sanatorium, Our Home on the Hillside. Well-heeled people from around the country come to this red-brick health resort perched on the slope of a hill for a cure for America's most widespread ailment, bellyache. Yes, America's a land of indigestion and constipation. Probably because a typical 1860s meal includes mountains of salty meat and pickled vegetables smothered in thick, fatty gravy. And that's just the first course. Our home on the hillside promises relief with a regimen of water therapy and a menu of grains and fresh vegetables. And that's why Sister Ellen White, the prim 38-year-old prophet of the Seventh-day Adventists, is here. She believes the Bible teaches vegetarianism and that healthy living glorifies God. So she wants to learn more about the sanatorium's renowned treatments. And that includes this morning's high-fiber breakfast, granula. It's made from twice-baked wheat bread that's ground into small pieces and soaked in milk overnight. It's also the first cold breakfast cereal. Sister White scoops a spoonful of granula into her mouth. It tastes like pebbles, and it's about as hard. After finishing her mouthful without breaking a tooth, Sister White thinks to herself that granula is a most pure, plain, and nourishing food. She sure wishes there was a place like this back home in Battle Creek, Michigan. Three months later, on Christmas Day, Sister White is praying at the home of a fellow Adventist in Rochester, New York. Suddenly, she is struck by one of the thousands of visions she will experience during her lifetime. Visions that she and her followers believe are messages from God. As her body convulses on the floor, she sees a ring of trees covered by a net-like vine. Without warning, a powerful wind shakes the trees, causing the vine to collapse onto the forest floor. But then, lo, an angel appears and lifts the vine towards the heavens. As the angel ascends, a joyful Sister White cries out, Angel, what does this mean? Sister White emerges from her vision, convinced she's just been given a divine mission. She must build a sanatorium in Battle Creek that will spread God's word by loosening the nation's bowels. To assure her sanatorium's success, she sponsors a young Adventist through medical school, the bright, God-fearing son of a broomstick factory owner. His name is John Harvey Kellogg, and he's going to change breakfast forever. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. 
Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amic slash you know. Now, since you're a podcast listener, I'm sure you know all about how audio just does something to the imagination. So I'm really excited to tell you about how Audible's brand new exclusive thrillers are brought to life with that kind of captivating sound design, the eerie soundscapes and dynamic performances. There's one that caught my eye. I should say it caught my ear. It's an Audible original called Sleeping Dogs Lie by Samantha Downing. It details the aftermath of a local businessman's murder in Marin County, California, a once sleepy suburb now part of the bustling Silicon Valley area. And as an Audible member, well, you get to keep one title a month from their entire catalog, including bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Head on over to audible.com slash BW or text BW to 500-500. That's audible.com slash BW or text BW to 500-500 and try out Audible free for 30 days. From Wondery, I'm David Brown and this is Business Wars. Every day, tens of millions of people grab a bowl of cereal before rushing out the door, and all those bowls add up to big, big business. Worldwide, breakfast cereal is a $37 billion a year industry, and it's powered by the fierce competition between Kellogg, General Mills, and Post. Cereal dates way back to ancient hot porridges, but then in the late 1800s, everything changed. A national epidemic of stomach pain inspired a health food movement driven by a mixture of medical gurus, religious zeal, commercial ambition, and snake oil cures. A movement that would give rise to the modern, ready-to-eat cold cereal. In our new series, Cereal Wars, we're unboxing how cereal conquered breakfast time. And it's a story with plenty of snap, crackle, and yes, pop. This is episode one. A Divine Mission. It's February 1891, and Dr. John Harvey Kellogg strides down the corridors of the Battle Creek Sanitarium. At his side, a nurse pushes the wheelchair bearing his latest patient, Charles Post. Post is 37, thin, balding, and broken. A few weeks ago, his textiles business collapsed, and so did he. The entrepreneur now hopes that Dr. Kellogg can help him overcome his nervous breakdown. At just 39, Kellogg is the most famous doctor in America for both the sanitarium and for best-selling books like Treatment for Self-Abuse and Its Effects, which advises parents on how to stop their children masturbating. Dressed in an all-white suit, he appears to post to be a man of great medical authority. As they head down the corridor, Dr. Kellogg points out the treatment rooms as they pass. And in this room is our electrotherapeutic bath. Post catches a glimpse of a young woman standing in a wire cage. The cage immerses patients in invisible, healing waves of electrical power. In another room, Post sees a man lying on his back as a strange contraption kneads his stomach. Post cranes his neck for a better look. 
That's the stomach beater. It aids digestion by working the stomach. Digestion is the source of most ills. That's why you'll be getting three high-powered enemas a day. My enema machine administers 15 gallons of water into the bowels within minutes. Post winces at the thought. Finally, they enter a huge dining room. It's full of patients digging into breakfast. As Dr. Kellogg enters, heads turn, excited by the arrival of the celebrity clinician. Well, Mr. Post, I must attend to others now. Enjoy your breakfast. Dr. Kellogg turns to the nurse, pushing Post's wheelchair. Mr. Post requires a liberal diet. See that you provide him with granola this morning. The nurse nods, pushes Post to a table, and starts scooping what looked like crumbs of burnt toast into a bowl. Post peers at his unusual breakfast. Um, what is granola? The nurse smiles as he pours milk from a glass jar into the bowl. It's Dr. Kellogg's own creation, a twice-baked wheat bread that is then ground into pieces. The process turns wheat starch into sugar. Starch, you see, exacts a heavy toll on the gut. The nurse hands Post a spoon. Next, the nurse pours a coffee-like liquid into a mug. This is Minute Brew, our caramel-based coffee substitute, free from poisonous caffeine. Enjoy. Post tries his granola. The crumbs might have been soaked in milk overnight, but they remain as hard as croutons. It's like eating ground-up brick. But Dr. Kellogg says the plainest foods are healthiest, so he keeps eating. Dr. Kellogg's granola is based on granula, the pioneering cereal created at the Our Home on the Hillside Sanatorium. It might not be tasty, but it's so popular that he now sells it to former patients by mail order. It does little for Post, though. When he checks out of the Battle Creek Sanitarium nine months later, he's still using a wheelchair and is four pounds lighter than when he arrived. His wallet's considerably lighter, too. But within weeks of leaving, Post's out of his wheelchair, and his mood is lifting. He puts his recovery down to positive thinking, He calls it the mind cure. And as his health returns, so does his old entrepreneurial vigor. He opens a mind cure health resort near Battle Creek. He also figures that a combination of his thinking treatments and Dr. Kellogg's unique recipes could be the basis of a successful health food business. It's early 1894, and Post is back at the Battle Creek Sanitarium. But this time, he's looking to make a deal with Dr. Kellogg. Your wholesome creation should be available to all. Why don't you let me market your minute-brew drink across the nation? Dr. Kellogg shakes his head. Absolutely not. Minute-brew is a medical treatment. I produce it for my patients, not for profit. But Post is undeterred. If the doctor won't give him permission, well, he's going to use what he learned while working in the sanitarium's kitchen to make his own coffee substitute. It's spring, 1894, and Dr. Kellogg is in Denver, Colorado. He's here to meet Henry Perky, the creator of a new health food called Shredded Wheat. The pair meet at the vegetarian restaurant Perky's Open to explore Shredded Wheat's culinary potential. 
Perky strokes his bushy, walrus mustache as he gives the waiter their order. We'll both have a Welsh rare bit on shredded wheat and... Dr. Kellogg interjects. Not for me, Mr. Perky. Welsh rarebit contains mustard. Like pickles and spices, mustard endangers the digestive system. I'll have my shredded wheat plain with milk, please. While they wait, Perky explains his creation. I've suffered from dyspepsia all my life. My search for relief led me to develop shredded wheat. Dr. Kellogg nods sympathetically. He, too, has been plagued with indigestion and constipation since childhood. Perky continues his story. Shredded wheat is made from boiled wheat extruded into thin threads, in much the same way as pasta, is then formed into little pillows and baked. Not only is it good for you, but it gets rid of lustful urges. Just then, the waiter returns with their meals. Dr. Kellogg digs into his shredded wheat and smiles approvingly. Hmm, very impressive. Almost like eating a moist whisk broom. Which I don't mean unkindly, Mr. Perky. Plain foods are the most healthy. Mr. Perky, I have a proposition for you. I'm prepared to pay you $100,000 for the rights to shredded wheat. It's an enormous sum, equivalent to almost $3 million today. But Perky thinks shredded wheat is destined for greatness, and so he rejects the offer. Dr. Kellogg leaves Denver empty-handed, but inspired. A week or so later, Dr. Kellogg is riding his high-wheeler bicycle through the grounds of the Battle Creek Sanitarium. A plump, balding man runs next to him, struggling to keep up. He scribbles notes as the doctor barks orders. The man running alongside Dr. Kellogg is his long-suffering younger brother, Will. Will's duties cover everything from shining his brother's white shoes to managing the sanitarium's business affairs. He works 120 hours a week and earns just $13. He earned more as a 16-year-old broom salesman. But he's now 34 and resigned to a life of being his brother's penniless lackey. After all, his father always said he'd amount to nothing. He accepts that it's his duty in life to support his brother's God-given mission. Patients giggle at the sight of Will trying to keep up as his high-wheeling brother issues instructions. Will, I want a new cereal. Something better than shredded wheat. I envisage a flaked wheat cereal. Start working on it immediately. Yes, of course. Uh, one request, please. May I have next Tuesday off? I, I haven't had a day off for a, at least a year. Dr. Kellogg pedals faster. No! You loaf around enough as it is. Dr. Kellogg, his wife Ella, and Will conduct experiments for months before finally creating the first flaked cereal. It's made from boiled wheat that's soaked overnight in water, then fed through rollers to create a thin sheet of dough. Next, they use knives to scrape off thin pieces of dough that are baked into crispy flakes. They name their wheat flakes Granos, and it becomes a sanitarium favorite. And even after former patients return home, they continue to order it by mail. Dr. Kellogg is pleased with his success and orders Will to figure out how to make flakes from corn. 
But Will thinks his brother is missing a huge opportunity. So, one morning, as Will trims his brother's bushy beard and mustache, he makes a suggestion. You know, we should build a factory to make granos and maybe sell it on a larger scale. (laughs) Our God-given mission is to cure not to line our pockets, Will. Stop thinking like a profiteer. But his former patient, Charles Post, has no such qualms. In 1895, he launches Postum, a coffee substitute based on Dr. Kellogg's Minute Brew. Unfortunately, he lacks the funds he needs to promote it. So he visits the offices of the Grand Rapids Evening Press and brews some Postum for the editor. As the editor sips his Postum, Post makes his appeal. I'm sure you'll agree this drink will become popular, Would you allow me to advertise Postum on credit? The editor is about to tell Post to get lost when he notices something odd on the letterhead of Post's stationery. In the corner, there's a red dot, and beneath it, the words, It makes red blood. The editor stares at the mysterious message. What does It makes red blood mean? Post winks. It means I've got your attention. The editor smiles. Post might lack money, but he clearly has a knack for (laughs) self-promotion. All right. I'm taking a chance on you. You got your credit. Post launches a campaign rooted in the idea that there's a sucker born every minute. He creates attention-grabbing ads that advise readers to swap coffee for Postum to avoid getting made-up illnesses like coffee heart. Soon, tens of thousands of people are drinking Postum, and Post is making a fortune. Now, flush with cash, Post sees that Dr. Kellogg's high-mindedness has left something very marketable untouched. Cold breakfast cereal for the hungry masses. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business, it's your life. Whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. See, State Farm agents are small business owners too. They know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant sort of looks the same? Well, amidst the chaos, there is one shining star that is certainly worth your culinary affection. Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Choose from classic meal kits that can be prepped in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes. My favorite recipe is carb-conscious and calorie-smart but super satisfying. It's turkey meatball pomodoro with roasted garlic butter broccoli. Look, we've tried a lot of home delivery meals before. But Home Chef is superb, from the taste to the simplicity to the selections. And for a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners 18 free meals. 
Yes, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life. You can find it at homechef.com slash BW. That's homechef.com slash BW for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash BW. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's summer, 1898, and a middle-aged woman enters a grocery store in Detroit. She scans the boxes behind the counter, but can't see what she's after. She turns to the elderly grocer. I've been reading about those new grape nuts in the newspapers. Do you sell them? I do. I just don't have time to put them on the shelf. They sell so quick. Oh, good. I'll take a box. I've read it's good for the blood and repairs the brain. The grocer rummages under the counter for a box of grape nuts. Despite its name, Charles Post's new cereal isn't made with grapes or nuts. Instead, it's made from twice-baked wheat and barley. Here you go. I'm told it's good for malaria and loose teeth, too. The woman reaches into her purse and then pauses. Um, how do you prepare it? You don't. You don't. It's ready to eat. You can eat it as is or add milk or cream. The woman looks pleasantly surprised. And that's because making breakfast in 1898 is a major chore. It takes hours of cooking to make hot cereals mushy enough to eat. And meat-based breakfasts need hours of cooking on wood-fire stoves that require constant attention. So while Charles Post is pushing his cereal with dubious health claims, the most powerful appeal is convenience. Ready-to-eat cereal is a revolutionary idea that millions are eager to embrace. By 1900, grape nuts are making Post millions of dollars a year, and his success is turning Battle Creek into a cereal Silicon Valley. It's early 1901, and the once sleepy Michigan backwater of Battle Creek is now a boomtown. Eager, wide-eyed entrepreneurs arrive daily. New factories are springing up, each filling the air with the smell of baking cereals. As Will Kellogg heads to the bank, a man stops him. Do you want to get in on the ground floor of the cereal business? Of course you do. I'm selling stock in Battle Creek's greatest cereal venture yet. Will hurries past the man. Con artists selling worthless stock to gullible investors are now a common sight on the streets. Coming out of the bank, Will runs into a worker from the Battle Creek Sanitarium's small cornflakes factory. He looks nervous. Mr. Kellogg, um, I I wanted to tell you I'm leaving to join Corn Crisp Cereals. I'm sorry, but they offered me far more money. Will sighs. That's the third employee to jump ship this month, but there's nothing he can do. Will might now own 25% of the sanitarium cereal business, but Dr. Kellogg still refuses to let him raise wages. Will returns to the sanitarium, feeling frustrated. He's sick of watching others get rich off their hard work. Will feels he should be just as rich as Charles Post, especially now that he's figured out how to make great-tasting cornflakes. He heads to his brother's office. The doctor is hunched over his wooden desk, absorbed in a medical journal. He doesn't even acknowledge his brother's arrival. Will erupts. 
Brother, please listen to me. We've got to sell cornflakes in grocery stores, and we need to add sugar to make them taste better. We can't allow all those jackals out there to profit from our work. Dr. Kellogg looks up at his brother and scowls. This again? I don't care for money, and neither should you. We answer to a higher calling, improving the nation's health. We're not going to start acting like that grubby man Charles Post. And as for adding sugar, absolutely not. I don't want it anywhere near my flakes. Now let this go. But Will doesn't let it go. When Dr. Kellogg goes on a trip to Europe a few weeks later, he adds sugar, salt, and malt to the cornflakes recipe. The new taste sends sails soaring. When Dr. Kellogg discovers what his brother's done, he's livid. He storms into Will's cramped and dingy office. How dare you! I expressly told you not to add sugar. You're risking my reputation with your greed. Shaking with rage, Will finally snaps. In that case, I... I quit. There's a moment of silence. Then... Dr. Kellogg narrows his eyes. Then go! I'll be glad to be rid of you! Will leaves, hoping to use his stake in the sanitarium cereal business to make a success of cornflakes. But his brother still has the majority share and thwarts Will at every turn. And then, on the night of February 18, 1902... Disaster strikes. A fire rips through the Battle Creek Sanitarium, burning it to the ground. Dr. Kellogg's medical institution is destroyed. Will feels an obligation to help rebuild the sanitarium, so he puts aside his own ambitions and returns to his brother's side. But Will doesn't give up on his dream. He still believes in cornflakes. He still believes he can defeat Post. All he needs is a chance, an opportunity to break free from his brother once and for all. And it won't be long before he finally gets his shot at glory. On the next episode, the Kellogg brothers go to court. Quaker Oats makes an explosive entry into cold cereals and a new challenger called General Mills captures the airwaves. Hey, Prime members, you can binge every episode of Business Wars ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A quick note about the conversations that you've been hearing in this episode. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Donna Hyams edited this story. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer Beckman. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering.
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.